When we told growers that New Bear Premium Trivolt herbicide for corn delivers visibly clean fields for up to eight weeks, they were a bit skeptical. Um, we'll see how it works. So we decided to prove it. We set up cameras in multiple cornfields, treated them with Trivolt, and filmed for 24 hours a day. For eight weeks, we saw a variety of weather conditions, and Trivolt worked. See for yourself at trivoltinaction.com. Trivolt is a restricted-use pesticide. Consult your state pesticide regulator for specific restrictions. Read and follow pesticide label directions. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. And welcome in, everyone. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, and just about everywhere. I am Scott Kennedy, along with my co-host, Zach Kelberman. This is the Thursday Night Huddle Up Pod. Uh, You are in the right place, even if the faces look a little bit different than usual with him being on this side and me even being here at all. But Zach, how are you doing this evening, my friend? I feel like I haven't podcasted for a month, Scott. You know, we took Wednesdays off and we gave it to MHI and they killed it last night. But you podcast, it seems, way more than I do now. I'm happy to be on with you. I appreciate you subbing in as always while Chad takes care of some family obligations. We're going to have a great show tonight, as always. It, well, it takes me at least three times as many pods to reach your level of like I have a third of the awesomeness, so I have to like stack it up to reach Zach level of awesomeness. Don't, don't so shortchange yourself. You're at least half. I have to least. put in extra work. So, um, getting everybody situated here, I want to say hello to some of the folks in the chat. Dylan is here already. He says, "Sup, Bronco countries? Make sure you hit that like button on the way in and subscribe if you haven't already." That it is good fun. advice from yes, Dylan, our moderator, who helps us out beyond belief. Diamond Rattler is coming on Facebook saying, boom, let's ride. Uh, Jay Valentine and Rory coming in with a, a good question. He says, I guess I've a little, been a little late, left behind, but Russell Wilson is a thick dude. Yeah, Pause. he's still like a running back. Uh, how is he at running through people? Well, I don't want to find out. I don't want him running through people. I want him running around people and (laughs) passing around people. I don't want him injuring a shoulder by trying to push forth through a 260-pound linebacker. Yeah, I thought at first you were meaning like you don't want him to run into you and find out. But yeah, I don't want Russell Wilson to find out if he can run over anyone. (laughs) I want him to stay as safe as possible. I would keep him bubble-wrapped if I could, but obviously you can't do that. I hope the offensive line's up to the challenge. But he is like... Of the builder variety when it comes to quarterbacks, he's not this skinny Malink kind of kind of quarterback. He has some muscle tone to him, so it should help him weather the storm. He's inevitably going to get hit. He's going to get sacked. It's going to happen, unfortunately, and I think he has the body type to withstand that. Yeah, you feel pretty good about that when you've got some some strength. It's the guys that are long and lean. I always worry about just breaking in half where, yeah. you know, Russell Wilson is, is shorter and squattier where it's more of a bounce instead of a bend when you get hit. You just knock him over instead of, you know, cutting a guy in half. Those tall, lean guys have a lot of ways to hit them where their body moves and other parts stay in the same place and you're cutting these dudes in half. So I think he's, uh you know, while... People have lamented his height for a long time. I think he's done just fine, and he's proven to be an excellent runner as well. So great runner, uh, but we want him to use his agility, not necessarily his strength and power. 
The threat of which, though, will help keep defenses honest, though, Scott. You know, the fact that he can run if a play breaks down, the fact that he can break a tackle if he needs to, that's going to help out the Broncos' offense, make them more unpredictable. I I forget who said it. It might have been Tim Patrick that you're never going to get the same play more than once. They're going to change it up constantly. This is what Nathaniel Hackett wants, and having a quarterback of Russell Wilson's magnitude and just his physical stature alone will allow him to do that with more. Yeah, uh, that strength profit. and balance allows you to get away from the, you know, somebody coming through and grab it onto a shoulder pad and, and being able to take you off your feet. He's stronger than that. He'll right. pull, pull through those things. So his stature is a plus. You know, again, is, was he the ideal height? No. Can he get by? Yeah. For sure, for sure, without Roy's a doubt. clarifying that he meant breaking tackles behind the line, but I'm going to echo you, Scott. I don't want to find out either. I don't want him to get pressured. I don't want him to get hit. I hope he stays. His jersey is as clean as possible. Doesn't have to even be thrown into the washing machine afterward. It's going to happen, though. You know, he's going to get pressured. He's going to get sacked. He's going to get hit. I, I think he can break those tackles, though. And once he gets away, the improvisational ability of Russell Wilson will take over. And from that point, it's pure magic. Right. And what I was and that actually, Rory, we ended up hitting on that just right as guys are going through and reaching as far as they can and just getting a hand on them or an arm. An arm tackle is not going to bring them down in the pocket. It's going to take more right. than that. So hopefully, uh, hopefully we we won't find out too much. But today, Zach, we wanted to talk about the topic of the show was the defense of uh, the defense is talking. The, the title was dominating. I'm like, wow, I that that's uh that's got some shock value to it. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but let's get into that just a little bit. I know it was a few days before uh, Russell Wilson threw his first interception, and evidently it took something pretty special from Pat Sertan. I haven't seen a video of it anywhere. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking, and I haven't no. seen it with video cameras all over the place. How has that one been kept top secret? They don't want to. Uh, tarnish Russell Wilson, the Broncos social media team by any means possible. I kind of don't blame them to be honest, but apparently PS2 made a hell of a play on a Russell Wilson pass. First play of full team practice. He gets picked off, taken to the house by PS2. And I'm not going to overreact to practice. You want this to happen now in May than in September, October, but it speaks to Patrick Sertan's ability, Scott, and his potential. The fact that Russell Wilson in his career, 10 years, has only thrown, I looked into it, six pick sixes. And he threw the first one to to PS2, got him the first pass of practice. He is going to be in freaking credible. I literally cannot wait to watch the ascension of PS2. I took more out of that from his side, Scott. How good PS2 I'm was. I'm gonna have to stop you right there. Yes. Because Michaela has dropped a Michaela bomb. Yes. I will stop. Thank you, Michaela. So I'm gonna when what I see red, about? we stop. stop. We stop and we go right to uh we go right for red with the Michaela bomb. Michaela comes so in with a very generous super. Thank you so Thank much. You. It's 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 incredible. I mean I feel like I'm pinch hitting in here. I'm like, okay, I'm going to be accepted. Okay. And and you're here and it's awesome. So thank you. It makes me feel really good. Uh, but Michaela says, hi, Zach and Scott and MHH family. Love you all. Sorry, I cannot do more and more often. I hope our D will be as good as it looks. MHH family forever. You do more than enough. Exactly. We, we absolutely love what you're able to do for us and that you are such a big part of this community. And like I said, because... I'm not on the evenings very often. I don't get to say that enough. So again, let me say thank you very much. The fact that we even have the name Michaela Bomb just shows how much you do, Michaela. <laughs> it's incredible. You are far, far too kind, but we appreciate every second we get to interact with you, your generosity, and your knowledge when it comes to the Broncos. You are incredible. And as I always say, the Duchess of the podcast for a reason. Thank you so much. You know, it might be a good time to talk about the give the, the prize for YouTube and Facebook. Zach, yes. do you want to get into that a little bit, or should we hold off on that till like maybe the thirty-minute mark? Cats out of the bag now, Scott. So we'll just we'll just let it out there. You know, we're about eight minutes in. So here's what the, we got: some questions about it on previous podcasts. Here's what we're doing in terms of the giveaway, in terms of the stars and uh, supers, YouTube and Facebook. What we're gonna do is in June, July, and August, the cumulative you know, donations into that pot will be added up. And the top 10 from those two platforms, YouTube and Facebook, will be drawn from a hat randomly, totally random. The winners, so two winners, will get first-class handling and care with the meet-and-greet. You'll be taken care of in terms of lodging. We'll put you up at a hotel. You'll get a ticket to the game. It's week three, the Broncos and the 49ers. Chad's going to be there. I'm going to be there. 
I hope Scott will be there. We're going to get some MHH talent out there. It's going to be super fun. Two winners will be partying with us and having a great time with us uh, during that day on that day. And one on be- each. One, so one on Facebook and one on YouTube. We don't want to ignore either side of the family, uh, but basically a VIP package. If you can get there, we'll make sure that you're handled as a, a VIP, including including your lodging. So Michaela, I have a feeling Michaela is going to have a name yeah. in the hat. Just call it a hunch. You know, I'm good at this stuff. I am. See you in Denver, Michaela. No, but we appreciate what you're doing. We appreciate everyone. So, yeah, we'll have more information about that on Sunday podcast when Chad gets back. But that is what we're doing for June, July, and August. It's going to be a cumulative thing in the next three months. And uh, may the best man or woman win. Women or men. And Phil coming in with some Facebook supports. Thank you, Phil. Phil's uh, Phil, Phil is usually in the top 10 on Facebook for sure. So another person who who is a big part of the show. So, after I, I'm not even gonna say rudely, after I was so generously interrupting you, you know, we were talking a little bit about uh, the defense and dominating and Pat Sertan and where he is in, in this, uh, talking about where we are in the, with Pat Sertan and his ability, the defense maybe being a little ahead of the offense. Zach, that's not, that should be expected. Exactly. It is hard, hard to play offense. Every rule change for the last 30 years in, in, in NFL football, has benefited the offense. It is hard. I, if you've ever been to an all-star game or something like that, if they change the center, all hell breaks loose. It takes like four snaps just to get a playoff because uh, it's hard to get the cadence and stuff down. So getting the having the defense where the defensive guys have admitted it's not that much different from what we ran last year versus Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton and Javante Williams all saying it's incredibly complicated. It shouldn't be a huge surprise if the defense is a little ahead of the offense right now. I, I, you know, coming up, you learn a lot of things about the NFL just by watching it, just by being a fan. And one of the things that you learn is that in the offseason, the defense is usually ahead of the offense, to your point. You most see it in training camp, but even in OTAs, even in mini camps, in these practices, the defense is just ahead at this point. I don't know why it's always been a thing. So, that's why I'm not tripping too much about Russell Wilson throwing a pick or Josh Johnson, Brett Rippon, whoever threw the picks on yesterday's practice to Simmons and Ojemudia because the defense is going to be ahead. And I want to see, we already assume, Scott, that the offense is going to be good. We know Russell Wilson is going to be good. The passing game is going to be good. But what about the secondary? What about Ajiro Evero? I mean, a lot of questions on that side of the ball as well. So the fact that they're balling out already and picking off Russell Wilson on the first play, I'm encouraged by that. A lot of fans are overreacting, saying, oh, the offense, we suck again, just like Major League. Uh, but it's not it's not like that you know it's the defense is balling under Evero's tutelage in a matter of months they went from a defense that couldn't take the ball away couldn't change the complexity of a game now they're doing it on the first play of practice so i'm looking at that glass half full for sure i've told this story before zach i'm not sure if you've heard it before but when i first started covering recruiting i asked a kid who played on both sides of the ball i said which side do you like playing better he says defense i'm like really that kind of surprised me i said why he goes because i can end the play myself one person. And that's how it is. When you're playing offense, everything has to go right. I mean, yes, you get some some plays that are, you know, broken plays that where things can happen. But if one person blows an assignment on offense, the play could be dead. If one person. It's like, okay, everybody did their job. The left guard held. Everybody did their job. The, the wide receiver uh, dropped a pass. Everybody does their job. The quarterback misses the throw. The, block, the, the running back misses a blocking assignment. Trips on a blade of grass. Everybody has to be right for offense to work. Whereas 10 guys could fall down. Bradley Chubb could sack the quarterback and you get a win. So it's, it's hard. It is absolutely hard to play offense and it's hard to get everybody on the same page as working. So it is not to be a surprise again, when you're installing a new offense with a new coach. Um, another thing we like to talk about Zach is bias is bias. Do you think Nathan Nathaniel Hackett might be a little biased? listening to him talk about that interception. Yeah, he's like, he even said, I don't want to think about it right now. I mean, it actually haunted his thoughts, the fact that Russell Wilson threw a pick, but then he talked about the resiliency of the offense and what Russell Wilson came back and had a decent, solid practice. He never threw a pick again. The offense looked in rhythm. So yeah, competitive for sure, but it it really aided him. There's a war going on in those walls in Dove Valley, Scott. Not a not a you know a, uh, a a bad war, a friendly competition between offense and defense. Nathaniel Hackett talked about it, chirping back and forth with Kareem Jackson. These are two prideful units, and I hate to say it because it's so cliche, but it's true in this instance. 
Iron sharpens iron. Always. Yeah. It, it, we don't know. We don't know how the season's going to turn out. We got an idea. It should be better. But one thing I promised you going in absolutely promised was that it was going to be fun. The culture was going to change these guys. You're going to see the best effort from everybody. And we might just find out, Hey, they weren't as good as they thought we were. I don't think so. Um, you know, I said it was about week five. I think I called Fangio a dead man walking last year. Team had quit. They were done and still managed to win seven games. I think they were seven and seven going into the last three. So this is a roster and and they're having fun out there. But I thought it was kind of funny when, when Nathaniel Hackett was asked about the interception. He was like, yeah, we've got some stuff we've got to do better. You know, it was always the, the bias there. And again, everybody's bias. That's what makes us who we are. His immediate reaction was, we should have done a little better on offense. And then he gave his due to, to Pat Sertan and what a great play he was. You know, Bradley Chubb has now had two sacks in practices. Justin Simmons has a pick. Ojemudia had either a pass breakup or a pick. And PS2 had a pick six. If you would have told me that before OTAs, all those things would happen, I would be so freaking happy and so encouraged about the defense. I was, I, I'm fine with the offense. I trust Hackett. I trust Russell Wilson. They have enough talent on there to make do. They're going to have a transitional period, but that defense, man, first time coordinator, different starters, different moving pieces. That's the side of the ball I was worried about. And the fact that they're dominating to use that word in practice already in May and June, I'm really happy about that. Yeah. I think that uh, Russell Wilson and the offense have gotten their share of things. I've always said, especially following college football, that, the unit shines that needs to shine the most, meaning who needs the confidence boost? You know, it's one of those questions you ask, okay, when we're playing intra-squad, is the defense dominating because offense sucks or because some things are being put in place to benefit the defense because they might need a little extra work? Um, in this case, I think dominating might be a little strong of a word, but they're getting theirs, which is also good. Speaking of getting theirs, Gary Blah Blah comes in from Canada. He's going green. So it's big up, my dudes. People are going crazy for nothing. Pretty sure that even Peyton Manning was throwing picks in practice. Good defense. Go PS2. Now, I'm not on the Twitter sphere of, you know, the nature of overreaction. You know, it's not exactly the most calm, uh, level-headed takes in the world in social media and Twitter. Are people really going crazy? Are there really a lot of discussions here? Like, oh, good yeah. Lord, the offense is going to be, you know, are there, is that really happening, Zach? It's happening in our podcast, Scott, from uh, Wale here. It concerns me after hearing about Wilson's pick. And Wale, I ask you why. What are you concerned with? Is it not what practice is for to make mistakes and get better? Maybe they take that play out of the playbook now on the offensive side. Maybe Wilson has a different read on that play, can help him in September in the regular season. I am not worried at all. I am encouraged the defense is stepping up and doing what they couldn't do in three years under Fangio. They're doing that in three months under Ajiro Evero. That's what I'm happy about. That's what I'm taking away. From it, don't know. I've got two skinnityisms. So, two things I've said before. One, there's only one way to find your limit is to go through, is to break it, is to find your breaking point. Okay. Uh, and two, I always said this about snow skiing. Uh, I start, I was late to snow skiing. People like you falling down. I'm like, hell yeah, I'm falling down. If I'm not failing, I'm not trying hard enough to get better. You've got to find your breaking point. It's like, okay, let's say you're lifting, you got a bench press max and you do one. You're like, okay, that's my max. No, you don't know what your max is until it comes back right. down on you. So if you're not making mistakes, if you're not throwing interceptions, if you're not doing those things and taking chances and getting beat in practice, you're not working hard enough to get better. You're too conservative and this isn't for you. I want to derail the podcast for a second. I love snowboarding. I love skiing, Scott, but I freaking hate falling down every five seconds. I hate that <laughs> aspect of it. You get cold, you get wet, you have to pick yourself up and your your legs and, and feet are locked into place. I, I, it's fun and you're going, woohoo, until you fall. And it's like, oh, damn, why am I doing this? I'm going to go inside. Yeah, but if you're, if, you're not, if you're not falling, you're not trying hard enough to get better. <laughs> you know, you're going to fall. You're, you're going to yeah. fall, um, especially if you pick up skiing at, 30 years old the first time i ever snow skied was 30 um so it was yeah yeah i fell and i had a whole lot of fun doing it michaela having a lot of fun anyone concerned about the wilson picks well we talking like, about interceptions or picture yeah, i'm like wait what picks are out there is yeah, this you know I, you know uh not good I, picks that's like pictures um yeah no am i concerned no and, and michaela for all the reasons that we we just went through um i i think a guy who is taking care of the ball as much as he has. It's speaking of 
and one thing, the other part of that is you don't know whose fault an interception is. It's not always on the quarterback. Right. Um, and the, the concern can be, you know, you hear uh, Tim Patrick talk about the difficulty of learning the offense. It's complicated. They're in meetings all the time. I, ran, I went in, I, I yinned when I should have yanked. Uh, at least to an interception. But that's, you didn't blame Wilson for the pick, just that they were the, the interception. So, no, I'm not, especially not in, I always want to put optional for O, for OTAs, organized team activities, especially involuntary OTAs, for goodness sakes. No, I'm not worried. Now, we get to week seven and he's got 10 interceptions. I'm, I'm going to be a little worried. Then I'm going to be a little worried. Quick or us, delete your emails. No, I, I ho- I'm pretty sure she's talking about interceptions, and I'm not worried either. And to your point, Scott, it's absolutely true. It could be the receiver ran the wrong route. It could be he dropped the pass went through his hands. I mean, there's so many factors Pit that ball. go into it. But only one player gets charged for the interception. That's the quarterback. I'm not stressing about a practice interception in May. You know, talk to me like you said in September, or October, if it's a real thing. I don't think it will be. I'd be more worried if there weren't any. Honestly, if they're coming in here with a new offense, a new quarterback, new head coach, and they are just torching the defense, something needs to change. You need to change some of the rules of engagement because you're going to you're going to ruin the confidence of your of your defense if that's the case. So I'd be more worried if there weren't any interceptions. And we got some level headedness from Greg Smith uh, chiming in saying, come on, Broncos country. It's just practice. Heck, they're not even in pads yet. It's true. I mean. If this was even training camp where the stats get tallied and people start really taking it seriously, I wouldn't even care then. Even if it was preseason, I wouldn't care. That's the whole point. It's exhibition. It doesn't count. Talk to me in September. Can I make this throw? Again, find your limits. The only way to find your limits is to go go past them and break the breaking point. What's the stress factor? You know, when you're doing stress tests on machinery or something, you find out where it breaks, then you ratchet it down. Okay, this is your max. So no, should be throwing interceptions in in some of these. I'm not not worried, especially when it took him a week to throw his first one. Right. Goodness. Uh, Phil McLaughlin coming in here also, and again, this is, I hope I'm not being too optimistic, but I really feel PS2 Patrick Sertan could become another champ. Let's ride. Uh, that's a those are lofty numbers. Um, those are lofty numbers. Uh, I, I'm not expecting another Champ Bailey, but if he becomes a multi-time Pro Bowler, then goodness gracious, you're going to be pretty happy. And, and if you get something above that, then then good Lord. Um, speaking of Champ, um, I took my son. I've had this in plan since, um, since before he was born, but I took my son over to uh, the guy that trained Champ Bailey and Boss Bailey, and that's where he's going to start working out now. And Champ had his signed jersey up on the wall and that kind of stuff with Erlacher and Richard Seymour and a couple of Hall of Famers. So um, a story about Boss, his brother, he was there doing a vertical and they had to have spotters because he was jumping so so high. He was going for 50-inch verticals. I think he ended up hitting 48. That they were afraid he was going to fall, like, was like jumping out of a window and he was going to hurt himself. So a couple of the best athletes and one of the best football players of all time in Champ Bailey, that's a pretty lofty lofty ceiling right there for for Mr. Sertan. Yeah, my two points were, you know, let's have realistic expectations for Sertan in year two. Don't put too much pressure on him. But he's going to be Patrick Sertan the second, not the next Champ Bailey. And I think he's going to be the best cornerback the Broncos have had since Champ Bailey, and he could be even better. I just know, Scott, based on what we saw last year, he was already one of the best cornerbacks in the entire league at, what, 21 years old? I mean, in preseason, his first major play was a pick six. That was a major indicator as to what he will be in the NFL. And now in year two, he's going to make a big quantum leap forward. I would be shocked if he's not at least a pro bowler, if not all pro. This is a perennial type talent, a generational type talent as far as I'm concerned. He will go down as the best Broncos corner since Champ Bailey. The question is, will he will he be better than Champ Bailey? And a phrase I also like to use is, I don't argue levels of the elite. If he puts right. himself in the argument with Champ Bailey, that's just fantastic. Yeah. If it even becomes a don't make me laugh type of discussion, then you've, you're going to be pretty darn happy with how his career turned out, for goodness sakes. Travis coming in, speaking of making us happy. So good evening, Zach. Scott's Broncos country. Um, it looks like Scott's Broncos country. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I don't worry about a bad play in OTAs. It's practice. The thing I do worry about is injuries. Yes. Something definitely to worry about. The last thing you want to have happen right now is for somebody to get hurt. Um, we already had one. Um, Jonathan Cooper was a ring finger. 
Um, shouldn't be, you know, too debilitating. Uh, but again, if that's as bad as it gets, we're going to be pretty happy with with OTAs in the offseason. Yeah, I pray the injury bug stays far away from Dove Valley because that bug has torn through the Broncos the last, I don't know, three or four years at least. But, you know, injuries are part of the game. And if the worst thing so far is Jonathan Cooper is down for a few months or a few weeks because of that ring finger surgery, then there'll be A-OK. That's that's true. That's the only thing I really take away or I focus on when it comes to OTAs and minicamp. Not so much interceptions or stats, but just get out of there fully healthy, please. Well, you also tend to focus on who's not there. I, I, I've i seen uh, it. True. I know that. I've seen it. True. You got me there. You got me there. Why isn't Melvin practicing? That's a whole other conversation. But yeah, I, I, everyone should be there if they can be there. I, I'm a firm believer in that. I will not back down from that take. Yeah, I think uh, in this case, they should probably be there. Um, I th- He wasn't much of a, a coach at Alabama, but the first time I heard the phrase was from Dennis Francione. He was at Texas A&M in Alabama when they were talking about optional. And he goes, yeah, it's optional. So is playing time. Um, and I thought that was, you know, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty telling because that's that's the truth. Playing time's optional too. How bad do you want it? You know, I'm looking at the numbers in the top left corner of the screen, and I'm remembering to, why is it why is that number that number? Then the Avs are playing tonight. They're, I think they're playing right now. So go Avs! I want to say uh, get another victory to uh, hopefully advance eventually, maybe in a couple games to the, uh, the Stanley Cup final. But we have David. I want to just scroll, scroll through the comments. David Yunkin says, Nick Wright thinks that Russ and the Broncos are garbage. I think Nick Wright is garbage, and who cares what he thinks? You know, I heard you say this morning, Scott, who's Nick Wright? You don't even know. You don't even care. It doesn't, he doesn't matter. He's irrelevant. <laughs> I mean, I hate to sound overly ignorant, but I I don't know. I don't care. I, I, why, I, don't, I don't care. If you want an opinion, ask me. I'll give you one. I, I don't. I don't know. I don't I don't care. He has absolutely no effect on how good the Broncos will or will not be. So therefore, he doesn't matter. Who does matter, though, is Chase Wellner, $2 Super. Thank you so, so much, Chase. Great question here. Uh, and it's a it's a pretty uh, topical question because we have news about the receiver room. He asks, if we keep five active wide receivers, who do you like for the practice squad? Man, they might keep six, honestly. They have some... Uh, exciting bodies in that room. I wrote about one today, Travis Fulgham. You might remember him from the Philadelphia Eagles in 2020. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett talked him up. Five, I mean, four locks, Scott. So we got Cortland Sutton, Jerry Judy, Tim Patrick, KJ Hamler. I think they're going to keep five for sure, and they might keep six. Five would be Montreal Washington, the rookie. He's the be the, the primary return man. Practice squad, Jalen Virgil, honestly, undrafted free agent, an absolute speedster, already making plays. Russell Wilson in OTAs, he had a long touchdown reception. I think that's a perfect practice squad candidate. And I'm thinking like the Seth Williams types, Tyree Cleveland, Kendall Hinton, those are all players in the Broncos roster. Do they even have PS eligibility? I have to wonder about that. But the first name that came to mind and keep him in mind going forward is Jalen Virgil. Oh, why wouldn't they have help me help me out here? Would it, it, it be because they bounced up and down a couple times in the prior year and that carries over? Yeah. I, I'm I'm so many rules have changed in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I can't remember what the eligibility rules are. So yeah, you might need to sign him to a new contract and, and Seth Williams would still be on a rookie contract um, in that case. Kind of like, the the designation for you can only move a guy up and down so many times in the minors for for right. major league baseball. So I don't I don't know that. Um, five active receivers. Who do you like for the practice squad? Um, I'd, I'd still like to see you know War Eagle. I'd, I'd still like to see Seth Williams get a chance, earn a chance, not get a chance. Let me rephrase. I want to see him earn a chance and show what he can do um, out there and and have him become fulfill that potential that he has because he is a, a very physical physically gifted wide receiver and you know six three and change and as big as he is it's you don't coach that that's god-given and i'm hoping he gets a chance like let me rephrase earns a chance to uh to remain on the team this is a another you know valid question from k-hop uh speaking of receivers k-hop wants to know i saw a couple good plays from kendall hinton is he turning heads or is he a surprise cut Kendall Hinton's a Hall of Famer, man. I, I love me some Kendall Hinton. I would keep him around just for he's Kendall Hinton, but they can't waste roster spots. They already have five pretty much locks. They might not keep six receivers, and if they do, they like Fulgham. We mentioned Seth Williams. They have Tyree Cleveland. A lot of guys, Jalen Virgil, on the offseason roster. If I if he does have eligibility, I would put him on the practice squad. There is utility for a player like Kendall Hinton, but I wonder how much of that is nostalgia 
based on what he did in 2020 and how much can he really bring to the team as a wide receiver? It seems like five's kind of light. I mean, you can run an offense out there. You can run a play plays with five wide receivers. It seems like you'd want to have at least six on the active roster. Um, maybe, maybe not. I'd, I'd have to go back and look and see how it is. But, um, you know, you if you're just running five guys, you can, especially as fast as they're going to want to run and move the ball. Um, like I said, I, I think we should see at least 20% more possessions in plays this year. Um, than we saw last year when we were just playing grind it out and see if we can snuff out the clock and bore the other team to death and maybe kick a field goal and win a game. Uh, I, I think it's going to be much more fast paced, um, heavy metal football, so to speak. This is a great comment. Something that could happen. Uh, John Whetstone saying, I could see, uh, the Broncos showcasing Hinton in the preseason to try to trade him like Trinity Benson, what George Payton did last uh, last summer. That's a good point. And I think that's what George Payton will do at positions where he has a surplus of talent. So maybe defensive line, receiver, I don't want to say tight end, but uh, places where the Broncos are heavy, if they don't want to outright release one, I don't know how much trade value Kendall Hinton would have, but it can't hurt to make a phone call. Yeah, and if you get anything, you know, if you've, if you've got a guy, if you're getting a six-rounder, you never know. Um, that's another cost-controlled special teams guy that you might need. So, um, again, OTAs, offseason, preseason, that's where those things can come in. So, good good point, John. Thank you very much. I would do that in a heartbeat. Again, I love Kendall Hinton. I appreciate what he did. He's a legitimate Hall of Famer, but you get a six-rounder for him, I am making that trade all day. Hall of Famer, huh? Mm-hmm. His gloves are in the Hall of Fame because of the Saints game in 2020. We were playing quarterback. Completed one pass. <laughs> Great times we've been in, Scott. Like, they precede you. You don't understand why we're still, like, pinching ourselves over Russell Wilson. What we've been through since 2016 has not been pretty. Yeah, I get it. It's hard. Uh, as, as I said, as bad as the Falcons have been, they've had pretty good quarterback play the last 25 years or so. Yeah. Um, it, it, it can be tough when the quarterback play is just doesn't even give you a chance. You know, it just, it just, it becomes hard to watch and get your hopes up for sure. Adam uh, is reading my mind here, speaking my language said, I love Well, maybe not my language. I love Melvin Gordon. Think he will stay conditioned and do what he needs to do to be where he needs, but he still should be at OTAs. In my opinion, new playbook needs to be present, not just a new playbook, but like he was languishing on the open market for months. He finally settled for a prove it deal an incentive laden one, a one-year deal begged the Broncos to come back, wanted to play with Javante, wanted to play with his college, former college teammate Russell Wilson, doesn't even show up. He has no reason to be away. He was on a freaking podcast. He's been on Twitter. Why not be at Dove Valley with your teammates? He absolutely should be there. Maybe he's superstitious. I mean, seriously. You know, when you've never been to OTAs and you've had a pretty good career like that, it's like, listen, I can't go now. Uh, but even if he's there, you know, I agree with you. But it's... Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I would I would want him to be there, but it's never been his thing. He's been signed before because of it. When you're signing him, you know what you're getting. It's not like this is a surprise. You know, it's not like 
It's not like it's a surprise for, for sure. You know, we're getting with Melvin Gordon fumbles every year. Maybe if he went to OTA practice, he wouldn't fumble the ball anymore. That's what I would hope for. But I, again, I can't be hypocritical. I'm not overreacting to an absence in, in May. If this was training camp, even I would ring the alarms, but it's not. So hope he performs. We're not getting hit, you know? So yeah. um, again, it's so hard to simulate game speed for running backs and linebackers. Um, maybe you can flare in a pass, but if you're not hitting or being hit, it's the hardest. That's why we're watching seven on sevens. It's like, <sighs> how'd the running backs look? Nah. How'd the linebackers look? We don't know. You just, you can get an idea of fluidity and maybe their hands. But again, if they're not hitting or being hit, it's really hard to get a read on running backs on linebackers. Oh man, this is not even a question. Sorry, Mike, we'll get to you in one second. Uh, Tommy chiming in, Tony Pollard or Melvin Gordon for one year as your RB2. Tony Pollard should be an RB1 somewhere. That guy is the best running back on the Cowboys. He is incredible. He is electric with the ball in his hands. He should be starting somewhere. So absolutely, I would take him over Melvin Gordon. I'm not when I would prefer Mike Boone to Melvin Gordon. This question does not need to be asked. I don't think he's as good as people make him out to be, but I like you, Tommy, for saying he's RB2 because he is the backup. It is Javante's team now, Javante's backfield, as it should be. Yeah, Pollard has a nice healthy yards per carry at 5.5. As a rookie, it was 5.3. He's amazing. Uh, found the end zone a few times. He's got eight in his career, and it looks like he's uh can catch the ball a little bit too. Uh, 39 catches, 337 yards. So uh, very interesting. Um, now, it's, he didn't strike me as all that big. Yeah, six foot, 209 pounds, so a little bit different. So it makes sense that he would be a good receiver because, he's frankly, he's built like a wide receiver. He's a little leaner. Than, uh, than your typical running back at six foot and, and 210. If anyone haven't, hasn't seen film of Tony Pollard in the NFL or even in College of Memphis, go put it on. The guy is a freak, and he should be a starter somewhere. But I did highlight a, uh, a comment from Mike who said, uh, I trade Judy possibly if he has a great year, but not Patrick. I mean, I don't know what the cap numbers look like. I feel like it wouldn't cost them too much dead money to get out of the contract next year, but... Yeah, I think he's the trade bait. We talked about this, uh, Chad and I did on a previous podcast. It's only going to behoove the Broncos if Judy plays well because they already paid Cortland and Tim Patrick. Judy's the wild card here. If he breaks out, the Broncos offense should be better for it, and then you have some trade value in him if you want to flip him. But George Payton could turn around and be like, listen, we have Russell Wilson. We have now three great receivers. Let's keep the band together. I'll pay him too. A lot of questions. Yeah, looking at Jerry Judy's cap number uh, with his option, because that's when it would start to get expensive, um, it's still not that bad. Um, wow, it's actually really low. Um, so I don't know. I mean, it must not have the fifth-year option in here. Because, yeah, if, if for 2024, a fifth-year option you think would be in the neighborhood of 12, which still isn't that expensive. No. But obviously, he's cost-controlled now. Um, another question came in here about Tim Patrick. Let me see if I can, um, anyway, talking about, Oh, if we, it was from K hop coming in saying, if we get good out of Patrick for the next two years, could he be a trade maybe for a third rounder? It seems like, okay, well, how old is he going to be? But you know, he's only gonna be 30, you know, we, how old was Devonte Adams Adams when he went this year? He was at least that wasn't he? And Tyree killers knocking on the door of that number. They're not that much younger than that. And you were able to get, good value for those guys in a trade for sure. So my initial reaction for Patrick was like, you know, probably not, but now I'm like, you know, yeah, the, the, the wide receiver, there's gotta be a course correction, Zach, the wide receiver market went bonkers. Yeah. Well, it, what's your definition of good? Because if he's really good, you either want to keep him and pay him again, or you want to get a better pick than a third rounder. Right. I, I'm a big, big, big Tim Patrick fan. And I think he could be a wide receiver too, at least on another NFL team. But you just wonder, is his ceiling capped with so many mouths to feed on offense? I mean, can he get to that really good level consistently where it would warrant either a new contract or a trade? I would look to hang on to Tim Patrick. The guy has performed every single season despite quarterback and coaching issues. He always makes plays. He's reliable, shorthanded. You would want to keep those guys around and not flip them for a draft pick. When you've got a guy that came in as an undrafted free agent and worked his way through special teams and exactly. has put up 700 plus yards the last two years and should better those numbers in the next two, that's a guy you want to chisel in your Mount Rushmore. Those are the one. Those are the kind of guy you say that's Mr. Bronco. That's someone I want my my kids to look up to and yeah. say you want to be like this guy. 
you'd see a lot more Tim Patrick uh, jerseys in these stands. While we're on the topic of receiver, uh, Adam Kern dropping a $5 super. Thank you so much, Adam. Hope you're uh, doing well tonight. Thank you for tuning in with us tonight. Adam asked, if you look at Judy's rookie highlights and add up all his drops, this dude likely would have had 1,500 plus yards if he catches all those balls. Yeah, but he didn't. He dropped him. I mean, the what if, what if, what if game, that's a huge hold. That's a huge wart on uh, Jerry Judy's resume right now is his drops. If he cleans those up, the sky's the limit. His footwork is amazing. His route running is amazing. It's just being consistent, catching the ball, making plays with it, and getting the ball. For all of Judy's faults, it hasn't fallen on him that uh, Pat Shermer used him as a decoy. The Broncos offense had no idea what they're doing with these Horrible quarterbacks and horrible coaches. He should have had those numbers, but he didn't. I mean, look to the Jets game in 2020 with Brett Rippon. He dropped a few touchdown passes. He has to be more consistent. He's got to. Yeah, you're looking at 113 targets with 52 receptions. That's not good. That's that's that doesn't feel good to me. I looked at Tim Patrick's numbers, um, and he was he's been better than 50 percent in, in in his entire career. The lowest one was 2019. He was 31 catches or 31 targets, 16 catches. So the just just over 50%. Uh, it's not like they weren't targeting him. That, now that went down considerably, but he played less games. Uh, he played in just 10, whereas he played in all 16 in 2020. But yeah, he's got the talent. It's in his hands, Adam. Um, you know, if literally it's going to be in his hands that he could be the guy. You, you put a... You, a first round pick is going to get plenty of opportunities. A cost control guy is going to get plenty of opportunities. So it's up to him. It's up to Jerry Judy. You know, I'm raring to ask you, Scott, because while we're on the subject, we got some time. We're at about 39 minutes. Tanner uh, chiming in and says, and I, I want to uh, add to this because I agree. I honestly see JJ out next year. He, he will be a better fit elsewhere. I want to ask you in a second, Scott, but you know, I, I hope he does well. I think he'll do well. I can see him still being an integral part of the Broncos offense and being here for the long term. But with some of the things that have happened, the call outs, the conditioning comment, the arrest, you know, him not getting used. It seems like one of those change of scenery type situations where a young player didn't work in his first stop, needs to go to another team to thrive. I could definitely, I'm getting that vibe at times. Whereas other times I feel like my my heart is telling me, no, he's going to be better this year. He'll clean up his drops, have a better attitude, better quarterback, better coaching, yada, yada, yada. But there's that, it just wasn't a right fit. It just didn't mesh well as it should have. The Broncos took a shot. It didn't work out. He's had a slow start to his career. A lot of different circumstances. What do you make of that, Scott? I mean, I look at, I'm going to look at raw numbers to begin with. Okay. And, and I look at him and I see, okay, six foot 195. I've mentioned bias earlier. Everybody's got him. What, what, that's what makes us who we are is our biases. I'm biased towards bigger receivers. For the most part, I feel like the best receivers in the NFL are, are bigger guys. Either that or they can, you know, run four three, um, or they're big and can run four three. You know, those are the real, those are the best ones. And you look at, at Jerry Judy's Pro Day's numbers, and they're just okay. You know, it was four four five, which is nice, but six foot one, hundred ninety three pounds. A shuttle was nothing to write home about, and your shuttle is how you get your separation. That's that's your side to side. That's your lateral movement. So, you know, in hindsight, I look back and say, okay, what made him a fifteenth overall pick? Where you're going to take him that high to begin with? Is he as talented as we make out? Is he? I don't know. There was a debate, if you remember, before that draft. Who was wide receiver one in that stack draft class? Was it C.D. Lamb? Was it Henry Ruggs, who we know now it wasn't? Was it Jerry Judy? Was it Justin Jefferson? And now it's like, I don't even think Jerry Judy's in the conversation. It's either Jefferson or C.D. Lamb. So maybe you're right. Maybe the Broncos overcompensated. That was John Elway's final first-round draft pick as Broncos GM. Maybe he's trying to overcompensate for the quarterback shortcomings or the coaching shortcomings, or he got enamored by the Alabama uh, Judy lineage that he had there. I don't know what, but it's not been a, a smooth start, and I just get the distinct feeling at times, like after the arrest, and based on his press conferences where he was asked, why weren't you at Russell Wilson's passing camp? And his response was, well, I had a daughter, so I was at the next one. It, it just, I don't, sometimes he rubs me the wrong way. And we talked about this with his presser. Maybe he's not good with the media, but you get that feeling inside. Like maybe it's not going to work out. We'll see. 
um, you know, again, uh, he's got the opportunity for sure. Um, Justin Jefferson is similar size. He was six foot one, 202 pounds, but his explosive numbers were better. His vertical jump, his broad jump and his 40 were all about the same. So explosive numbers are better. Those are the numbers I look at when I'm scouting guys, not the 40, but I look at your, your, your broad jump, your vertical jump, your shuttle and your elk cone. Those are the athlete metrics. Those are the forties nice, but it doesn't translate well to as well to the football field as some of those other numbers. Um, ben Wallman coming in with some stars on Facebook. Thank you so much, Ben. Uh, staying on the offensive side of the ball. So who do you see starting opening day at tight end? I'll let you go first, Zach. Go ahead. I see Alberto, and he has the experience. He's the veteran of the group. He still has a ton of playmaking ability. I know the Alberto hype train kind of slowed down after the Greg Dulcich draft selection, but there's a reason why they hung on to Alberto and traded Noah Fan away. I think he can be a tight end one long-term. I think he will be a tight end one long-term in Denver, enough to hold off Greg Dulcich or work well with him um, as a duo. So Alberto will open up. I wouldn't be surprised, quite honestly, if he doesn't take a step forward, if Dulcich passes him on the depth chart by midseason, but week one against Seattle Monday night, it's going to be Alberto out there in the huddle. I agree. Um, just now, I think a better question might be who's your week 17 starting tight end. Right. That's where it starts. Becoming. Eric I mean, Saubert, baby. It's always, it's always interesting, but I, I think Alberto is going to have the experience factor, the strength factor. You know, he's three years in the league. He's a grown man. Uh, Greg Dulcich has a lot of talent, especially as a pass catcher. But he's a rookie. You ever, you, ever, right. you ever see how these guys, just in context, when they ask about rookies, all the coaches say the same thing. They're all kind of like, rookies. They're rookies. That's kind of what they all say. Like, pump the brakes just a little bit. They're rookies. So opening day, uh, I'll go with Albert O. I think it becomes a little bit more of a question when we say, who's a starting tight end in December? That's also a position that takes quite a while to transition over to the NFL. It's not, it's rare where a tight end can make a big impact in year one. Usually by year three, they're ready to break out. Uh, so at least the Broncos have a very tight end room. And what I've noticed from practice, Scott, based on the videos they've put out the Broncos, I've counted now at least two tight end screens. They've shown off in those videos. One was uh, Saubert and one was Alberto. It's going to be a big staple, I think, of the Hackett playbook. And Alberto will be the beneficiary in week one. But like you said, injuries, performance, production, whatever, all that could factor into down the road, whether Dulcich steps up or falls back down. Yeah, there's I don't I don't think that Dulcich getting drafted that high was necessarily an indictment on Albert Okwebenam. You you needed another tight end. Nailed without it. a doubt. You needed one for sure. Um Speaking of starting, coming in here, Gary Leeds Palmer with the stars on Facebook. Always Thanks. such a big help. Uh, appreciate you, Gary, and hope things are going well tonight. See you in the morning. See you in the evening. Um, you're a, a staple of MHH and the Huddle Up Pods. And Michaela coming in. This is the hat trick for those of you watching hockey. <laughs> Thank you. Michaela's got the hat trick tonight. Thank you, Michaela. I heard Dulcich has looked good in camp. He will be started by midseason. We'll see. We'll see. Um Seven on sevens and playing in shorts and t-shirts against linebackers. A good receiver should look good. Um, Now let's line up when you've got 280 pounds of defensive end and you've got to go after him and they're going full pads and you're going against a guy who's trying to to keep a job. Um, Not even necessarily one of the starters, but you're going against a guy who is fighting for his life or is fighting for his livelihood. Um, And then, then let's see. You know, I'm, I'm not, I don't get too, just like interceptions or touchdowns. I'm going to get too high or too low right now. It's about learning and it's about keeping people healthy. And this is why they don't put out depth charts in May for OTAs. It doesn't matter about tight end one, tight end two right now. It matters about the plays that they're running and that's what you can glean. That's what I've gleaned anyway, or those tight end screens or the emphasis Hackett and Justin Outen are putting at the position. And you know what? I really don't care who's the nominal starter, whoever has the title, whatever tight end is helping the Broncos, preferably all of them. I will be happy with whether it's Dulcich, Eric Tomlinson, Saubert or Alberto, if they can play well for the Broncos offense and with Russell Wilson, it's all I really care about. K hub coming in <clears throat> said that Ben Albright mentioned Judy actually got the ball on a jet sweep. Um, I know, um, Chad mentions the movie. What's what was the football movie with Kathy Ireland? That's how I remember it. He mentions that movie all the time uh, about the North Texas team. And they, they throw the ball at the end. He's like, they never, they're not going to cover me ever. Like, Cause you know, they know you're not going to throw it to me. 
I felt like they could have done that with Jerry Judy at least once last year. It's like it'll be wide open. You faked it 172 times on the 173rd. It should be open. You ever heard the expression, Scott, never argue with a moron? I mean, that's what you're doing trying to figure out Pat Shermer. down and beat you with experience. <laughs> that's what it is, exactly. It's Pat Shermer. You can't explain him. All you can do is tolerate him. Thankfully, we don't have to anymore. But you know what? If they want to give Judy a jet sweep, fine. That He's a good talent. He can do something with the ball in his hands. He's going to be a decoy. They're going to have plays like that. The difference is they're not going to run it 100 times a game. That's not going to be Without giving it to him. Judy's chief responsibility. He's going to get the ball in concert with getting jit sweeps and, and trick plays and stuff like and, that. So, And Zach, you want to talk about having a bad attitude? Make me run a fake jet sweep 60 times a game. <laughs> exactly. You, I, I might be a little pissy by the end of the game, exactly. too. It's like, you know, you're playing seven on seven or flag or something. You're like, okay, I'm playing flanker. He's like, you know, and Scott, clear the zone. I'm like, you clear the damn zone. I've run the 40. <laughs> I've run 40 yards, six plays in a row. You you do it. I'm going to take this one off. So it, uh, you can see for sure where, you know, Jerry Judy, if you're an offensive player and you've got a problem this year, it's you. <laughs> it's you. Exactly. There's no uh, quarterback or coaching woes to fall back on. We have a couple more minutes here. We're at 48 minutes. If you have any questions, we're going to wind down soon. Any questions, comments, concerns, considerations, throw them into the chat and we'll hopefully address them if we can get to it. But we have Tanner chiming back in. Thank you so much, Tanner, uh, for tuning in with us tonight. Tanner asked, what do you think our ceiling is if Russell Wilson has an early season ending injury? I mean, I'm knocking wood. Come on, Tanner. Let's knock wood together. Don't say that. Something I've thought about, if Russ goes down, are we still competitive? The thought freaks me out. Well, let's not put that out there. You know, thoughts are things. I, I've read The Secret, too. I don't want to even consider that. I don't want to talk about it, discuss it. If he goes down, the season's over. I mean, who's the backup? Brett Rippon, Josh Johnson. As good as the Broncos supporting cast is, they're not Russell Wilson. Nowhere close. You know, so yeah, if they go down, they're not competitive. The season's over. I don't want to talk about it anymore. Next question. That's when you that's when you make a trade for somebody, you know, in season. If it's for the trade deadline, if it's early enough, you say, okay, we thought we still think we're good. We're gonna do something where we get a guy that's on a one-year deal. Uh, you know, the Mitch Trubisky's of the world. Um, you oh, go after someone like the but you know what I mean. I quit. Someone I quit. <laughs> someone that's competent that has got starting experience that was a back that's a backup somewhere else trying to rehabilitate their career. Uh someone along those lines. Yeah, let's get Teddy back for Miami. Jimmy he can do Jimmy it. Jimmy G. Uh, Teddy would look better in this offense for sure. Okay, we're not talking about this anymore. Yes, Michaela, I just called. Uh, actually, yeah, I called Shermer. I called Shermer a moron, but you know what? I'm always going to take the opportunity. Vic Fangio is and was a moron, so yeah, uh, that's going to always be the record. Both yeah. of them were. He didn't, but he will. Just ask him. <laughs> call Fangio. It was Shermer, but yeah, that one counts too. Anytime, any day. Just ask, and uh, I will. I was, I was Bye. most disappointed with Fangio over the course of the year after the Dallas Cowboys win. Honestly, that was when I yeah. thought he seemed the most petulant and immature. Um, it was just like, you're not cut out for this. This, this, this is, if this is how you act, you're in the wrong spot. You, it just, it was really, and to have some success like that and then act so arrogant was silly. It was it was pretty crazy. Michael, you, what's not silly is Michael Ronquillo. Ronquillo, everybody screws your name up so bad, Michael, that I've got it. I've got it bad now. Michael Ronquillo, great show tonight, Zach and Scott on the Mile High Huddle. Let's ride and go Broncos. So thank you so much for coming in, my friend. Such a a, a big help, of course. And uh, like Gary Lee's Palmer, like Michaela, who was just in, Phil, all in here all the time. We certainly appreciate it. Would you say Fangio was moronic for acting that way? I mean, I knew it after the Ravens game when he called out John Harbaugh for whatever, getting the rushing yards, whatever they did in that game. It's like, bro, you got blown out. Your team got curb stomped. Take the L and move on. He couldn't do yeah. it. The, the answer to something like that, you hear it all the time. You may inside, you may be pissed off, but the answer in coach speak, the playbook is really easy. It was our job to stop him. That's, that's what you say. Even if you're pissed off about it publicly, you say it's our job to say, oh, they're running up the score. It's our job to stop them. It's our job to play defense. It's not their job to lay down. So that was, uh, that one was bad. That one, and uh, I think the third one, if we're going to go on the, the Fangio thing, the third one for me was, oh, it's Drew Locke's birthday too. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? 
what? So yeah, it was, it's nice again. What else is nice, Zach, is not having to, is, is the Russell Wilson just doing everything right, right now and not having to deal with any Aaron Rodgers drama, you know, because Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is going to have his detractors out there as far as politically, there's going to be people looking to take shots constantly at Aaron Rodgers and he helps him out too. Um, you know, by, you know, putting out opinions and all this kind of stuff that Michael Jordan never would do for that very reason. And it's so nice right now to just be talking football and the, the positive energy and the culture change. You know, I think Aaron Rodgers is a fantastic quarterback and it would be a hell of a lot of fun to watch him every week in and week out on your team. But the off season right now, it's peaceful. It's fun. And I've really enjoyed, uh, being part of the, you know, being part of this ride with uh, let's ride being part of this ride with Broncos country. It's nice not having to scope TMZ for like Shyland Woodley stories, whatever his fiance's name is. You know, there's no controversy with Russell Wilson. People call him corny and this and that. I don't think he's corny. I think he's just a consummate professional. He loves playing the game. Uh, there's a video of, of Sierra Sierra tweaking on a Ford tweaking, twerking on a Ford Bronco. That's the most controversial thing that'll come out of that union. And if that's the worst thing, I'm happy. Yeah, we've said that before. If that's as bad as I've said that a couple times tonight, if that's as bad as it gets, you're in pretty good shape. You're in pretty good shape. So again, this is the the time of year for bad news. Um, so it's been been pretty quiet for sure. Do you I want to grab this from Tommy before we get out of here because I see it's a question. Which one? He's got seven thousand in here. I think he's arguing with himself at this point. We're kind of winding down, but Tommy says, which Bronco is the first drafted in fantasy football not named Pookie Williams? Do you play fantasy Russell Scott? Wilson? Yeah. So you I'm play- gonna give that one not I'm gonna take Russell Wilson out of there too. So let's not let's say a skill player not Pookie Williams or Russell Wilson. Are you gonna be in the MHH fantasy league this year? I don't play fantasy football. Ah, disappointing. Lame. I won a thousand dollars the last time I played and I still didn't like it. I just, you gotta, I'm, I'm so obsessive that it's just not fun. I always say, have you ever seen Nick Saban coach a football game? Does he look happy to you? That's how I feel playing fantasy, but I'm not making $10 million. Yeah. So it's just, it's not worth the aggravation, even if I win. Yeah, I got you. Quarterbacks tend to go kind of later in fantasy drafts. Like, if that's the case, though, I could see Cortland Sutton being off the board in the first couple rounds. If there's one receiver, so hard to choose, but if there's one receiver who's been the wide receiver one, the apple of Russell Wilson's eye so far, it is Cortland Sutton. And if you can get him, I would get him. That's where I'd go. And that's where it'd be tough to find value in there with the Denver Broncos again, because how are you going to, are you going to get consistency? You know, you could have a big game one week, pick them up on waiver wires and the next week, you know, no, no catches. Uh, I think Russell Wilson will do a good job of spreading the ball around, but there's going to be guys that are hot and guys that, that have really slow weeks. Uh, as long as you're getting the wins, that's, that's the common theme um, that I, you hear everybody saying right now, Zach, all the players, it's like, I'll do whatever they need me to do. Right. I just want to win. What do you want me to do? If it helps us win, I'll do it. That's where everybody's mindset is right now. And uh, that's that's a good thing. And to his credit, that's what Dulcich said in his uh, introductory press conference after he was drafted. He doesn't really care about anything else. He wants to just help the team win and, and get in where he fits in. So I, I respect that. And Chase uh, makes a good point here. Sutton to draft him. And also as a handcuff, Melvin Gordon. If they're going to split carries again, you want the other running back in case of injury or in case of you know one uh, leapfrogs the other. So yeah, I guess I would target Melvin if I do get Pookie. But I'm not going to target Melvin if I don't have Pookie. I'm going to go for another Bronco like Sutton. Yeah, might be a good person to stash away and wonder if, uh, you know, injury protection. He's going to be a really good number one if there's an injury again. I don't I don't want to think too much about it. I'm actually a better consultant, so I'll talk fantasy football to people. I just don't want to – as soon as I have skin in the game, man, I don't, I don't want to be up at 1 in the morning watching the Monday night football game to see if my backup tight end gets a, an extra oh, yard man. or whatever. I, I just I – don't, I don't want to do that. I don't care. See, I live for that. That's that's what I get off on. You know, I'm I'm just weird that's, like that. That's how the NFL's gotten so huge because yeah. everybody's got everybody's got an interest in every game because of fantasy football. That's how the NFL has gone berserk. I was one of those guys running leagues off of spreadsheets and box scores on Monday morning's newspaper. Um, you know, way back in the day. It made me weird at the time, like being a draftnik. Now, you know, your grandmother has a fantasy football team. <laughs> And, and, and the drafts turned into a four-day made-for-TV primetime event. So 
The NFL yeah. is uh, it's it's big time on that, and, and fantasy's had a big part of it because it yeah. is fun. It's definitely fun. They're called the Werther's Originals. That's the name of the grandma's uh, fantasy team. But John, we're gonna I think we're gonna end on this note because it's a it's a uh, a topical conversation to have. John Whetstone asking, Zach, do you feel better about Browning moving to edge now that he said it was his idea? All seems kind of odd to me. Player asked to move, and the coaches are like, sure, maybe you are better there. Well, if if I watched the press conference and read the transcript. He kind of half endorsed the move. He was like, yeah, I guess he didn't seem very confident about it. So I don't know why he'd want to move there. If he was stationed at inside linebacker and was going to win a starting job, he's not going to start an outside linebacker. He was going to start inside. So I don't know that it was his idea. I think he's trying to be a good young player. Maybe it was something that the coaches and team had him say or posture it that way. I don't like the move personally. I think he should have stayed inside. He can do something the Broncos have not had at off ball in years now, which is run sideline to sideline and hang with running backs and tight ends and coverage. He was damn good in year one. He was going to be a lot better in year two. They have depth. They splurge on Gregory. They drafted Benito. They have, they brought back Malik Reed. They have Cooper. They brought in Chris Allen, yada, yada, yada. You don't have many inside guys. I mean, I'm not the biggest Alex Singleton fan. I'm not the biggest Josie Jewell fan. I know you like Jonas Griffith, but is he ready to start from day one right now, Scott? I have my reservations, but I don't have those about Baron Browning. I don't like the move. <laughs> I'm not convinced it's done. Um, and he certainly didn't sound convincing either. He said, I kind of wanted to make the move, but they felt the same way. So that doesn't necessarily say, hey, can you move me to edge? That says they moved me to edge, and I thought it was a good idea. Right. I what thought it was okay. What am I going to say? No. Exactly. exactly. I, don't know, I don't know if this is something for just this period for right now, but I'm just making the most of it and working on perfecting my craft every day. That doesn't sound like someone you know, that is, that is hell-bent and that is there for the long term. It's off-season. It's experimenting. Try and get your best players on the field, and this is a way that they could possibly do it. I do want to plug myself for one second because I'm about to publish after we get off a Randy Gregory piece and it's talking plug about yourself, huh? I, I got to do it. You know, it's, 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 you know, relevant because it talks about Baron Browning, but Browning's conversion has been complicated, but helping him through that process has been Randy Gregory who can't practice because of shoulder surgery, but he's been great in the meeting room. According to Hackett, he's been great with Baron Browning. So again, anyone doubting the signing, I know he's going to be judged by his production, Randy Gregory, but he's paying dividends in the classroom with Baron Browning. And also Scott, take your wedding ring off. We have a proposal from Michaela, $1.99 super. Michaela goes, Scott, will you be my fantasy football manager? And she gets on a knee and asks you. I, I need to say? get serious about turning it into content. Honestly, I've got a friend of mine that, that he hits me up all the time and it's basically even if i don't know the players as well i can do a look at it and look at this and know enough about the game just say no no don't do that um so someone was making a trade for jonathan taylor mid-season this was before you know jonathan taylor went off i said no you don't want to get rid of jonathan taylor and i think he ended up winning the league and jonathan taylor went crazy i'm like aren't you glad you didn't make that move so be happy to michaela be happy to i'm real easy to find well, Scott, it's worth shouting out Michaela one. She is the reigning MHH fantasy champion. So she knows what she's talking about. If she asks you, if she asks you, it means a lot. I want to end on this note because K hops at, we're at the hour mark. K hops asking or saying, imagine how a Vic Fangio customer service would be. I have my answer. It would be like this. It's your fault. For those of you at home, that's how much you got. Um, they would blame you. It would be your fault because there's nothing wrong with the service and product. You just must not be using it right. I think it's the inches fault. It's everyone's fault. It's player safety's fault. The competition committee's fault. It's everyone's fault, but mine. That's the customer service. If we can't fix it, well, it means it wasn't our problem. That's the customer service tagline. But I think that's going to do it, Scott, for uh, this evening. We got Malcolm Brown from Homer, Alaska. How do you do, Malcolm? How are you this evening? Clayton hopping in. Clayton says, I will listen to the show when it's over. Well, it's about to be in a couple minutes, so hope you enjoy it. John Whetstone chiming in. Great show. Let's ride. DB for life. Appreciate you, John. But that was the Huddle Up podcast, Scott. We're back on Sunday. We're off until then. But don't forget tomorrow morning, Carla Mecklenburg uh, on Legends of Mile High. Do not that's right. forget. It's going to be amazing. Thomas Hall, Legends of Mile High tomorrow morning. Be sure to check that out. We are off until Sunday night. Back, same time, same place, 6 o'clock Mountain, 8 o'clock Eastern. 
Until that time, follow us on Twitter at HuddleUpPod. You can follow the main account on Twitter at MileHighHuddle. You can follow Scott on Twitter at ScoutKennedy. You can follow myself at KelbermanNFL. If you guys want some gear, like the hat I'm wearing, you guys know what it is, where it is, HuddleUpPod.com. New website, new gear, just dropped. We have a lot of cool things on the way. Check it out, HuddleUpPod.com. And Facebook.com slash MileIHuddlePod. Like that page and follow that page. Guys, if you haven't, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave your football priest a five-star review for a chance to win some merch each and every single month. But if anything, as you see ticking below you, please do these three things. Subscribe, like, and share this video and every video you see on the MHH channel. It really, really helps us grow and reach more Broncos fans just like you. Scott, any last words? Uh, I'll see y'all tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Eastern, 7 Mountain Time. Uh, Thomas has Carl Mecklenburg as his special guest on Legends of Mile High, bringing in a Legend of Mile High. Check it out tomorrow. Have a great weekend. Take care, guys. And as always, go, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 